0: Josh Friedemann. Hey everyone, today we have a great interview with Cynthia Plouchet, who is an independent board director and has worked in the financial sector for decades. She has a lot of really good insight on how to lead in collaborative environments and in situations where group dynamics may be difficult. Joining me this week to listen to and discuss the interview are my friends and fellow leaders, Anna Maria Dempsey and Michelle Mahalko. So I want to start off with a question today What was a situation in your life where you had to be really aware of group dynamics? Anna Maria?
1: So one area that I definitely have had to be aware of group dynamics is um, during my time as a resident director, I was leading a team of nine college girls. Um, and as you can imagine, there's a, in a group of nine people, there's a, a big chance that you're going to have a lot of all kinds of personalities. So as a leader, trying to have any sort of unity is really important for me to be aware of all the dynamics
0: in the group. Sure. How about you, Michelle? Yeah, I think pretty good. Constantly in my life, anytime I've been in a work setting, oh yeah, um, you're gonna have different personalities, and you've got to work together. But a specific example that I can think of: a couple years ago, I was working with a camp, and we were all a bunch of college kids. I think our leader was 24 or 25 years old, and there were a lot of personalities, a lot of opinions, and we were driving from Tennessee to California in a matter of like three days. In a couple of vans. And I just remember during that time, you know, you have to work with your teammates. I mean, throughout the entire summer, we had to work together. But when you're in that close environment with a lot of opinions, a lot of thoughts, uh, you definitely have to learn to get along and um, just make it work. Yeah. Cynthia Plouchet has been an independent board director for more than 15 years and has more than 25 years of experience as a senior investment portfolio manager. Her areas of expertise include risk management, finance, and governance. She has a Warden MBA and a Harvard University undergraduate degree and currently serves as the governance committee chair for the Northern Funds and Northern Institutional Funds in Chicago and has board oversight for portfolio assets that exceed $140 billion. Here is Cynthia. Cynthia, welcome to the podcast.
1: Hi, Josh. It's good to be here.
0: So, I think a lot of people are familiar with the idea of boards and organizations, but what is it that you do and what is the importance of an independent board director?
1: So, the board and the CEO essentially run a company or an organization. And I'm just going to side note that even not for profits are required to have a, a board. So, you know, the main. Jobs of a board are to hire a great, you know, CEO, the head manager of the company, right, and then to identify and understand the key risk and for the company, and then to help mitigate them. And then two more would be one that we have to make sure that the company is always in compliance with rules and regulations, and we protect the reputation of the company. Now, having said that, I would say you know the real Version of our of what we do is that we work with the um, CEO to provide the vision the mission and the goals of an organization and do that by establishing a series of policies and those policies are generally kept very broad so as not you know it allows both the board and the manager to have leeway in achieving the goals of the business so as a side note, I would say one of the reasons you often see activists coming to boards or acting you know or going after boards is because it's the boards that are making the policies that the company and organization are supposed to abide by
0: That's an interesting point. So I hadn't really thought of that before but is that something that boards welcome is that something that boards guard against what is the approach mm-hmm. to activists on boards and maybe that that's a touchy question to ask I don't know
1: Yeah, you know, it's it's a delicate question, right? But activists are Holding the torch right for shareholders generally. That's supposed to be the the their role, I think. And so if a company is run well or has, you know, its policies are fairly robust and not a source of conflict for the shareholder, if you will, I, I think you know you have a low amount of activist activity, but a lot of times it is a negative, um, sure, yeah, in, yeah, invitation into the board. But you know they have a role, a purpose, and so uh, to me, I guess they are the kind of guardrails in, in a in thinking of in a positive way. So hopefully, the board and the CEO and the company are doing fine and don't need to uh, sort of be under fire from an activist group, but it happens.
0: Obviously, a board director is an important mm-hmm. role in an mm-hmm. organization. My question is, how did you get to that point? Because it doesn't seem like a lot of people are out there as kids saying, I want to be a board director when I <laughs> exactly. grow up, right?
1: Exactly. Right. No, that's correct. And so I would say, for me, it was in some ways typical and in some ways not. So typically, you know, after you've worked several years, i.e. 10 to 15 years in some industry, in some capacity, that brings you on the radar for boards who are looking for a skill that you have. And in my case, I I had the it was a a benefit of having the person who was my mentor in my early years of my career for at least ten years or so, ultimately became what I think people nowadays call a sponsor. So that was someone who, and this was after I had long gone move to, you know, a new area, new location geographically. And he remembered me and thought highly enough of me to recommend me when there was a search being done to put a board together. And so that's a good example, I think, of while it's way down the road for many people, you know, having that mentor and then ultimately a sponsor, someone who's willing to step up for you and actually recommend you for things is, is a benefit.
0: As a side note there, do you have any recommendations on how to turn a mentorship relationship into a sponsorship relationship?
1: You know, and it's sort of interesting because a mentor really is a good guidance. But a sponsor is someone who I'm going to say the way you'll get a sponsor most is by how much you've helped them because they'll know your work. They're really taking a chance on recommending you. So a sponsor is not someone who you would have just had a casual relationship with, with someone who knows you and is willing to use their chips, you know, on the table for you. And so I think that just comes from a lot of things that we'll talk about later. But it's someone who you've worked with and who really knows you both as a person and as a skilled you know, person of some skill set.
0: What would you say are some of the key principles or lessons that have helped you out along your journey and in your career?
1: I would say and this you know applies to many people and many things is but I have found that you know staying open to opportunities was key and taking what I would call measured risk cuz I'm not a aggressively risk taking person but I do think you have to take risk right I think you also have to be willing to rely on and take advice from other people that's very key um in particular industries like finance credentials matter right so Credentials, both education-wise, but also who you worked for, who you worked with, those come into play. Um, and then I just I would add that I don't believe that anyone gets to a leadership role by flying solo. That you have to build connections and relationships along the way, and that's what the first part of people's careers seems to be. I mean, that's the heart of anything we do, I think, is that the connections that ultimately, whether it's mentor sponsorship, you know, someone who you're working for, that's gonna be a key element in all of this.
0: So you've you've described a little bit about what it's like to be on a board, but Mm -hmm. I'm hoping that you would tell us a little bit about board governance and leadership issues that Mm -hmm. really arise in your world that are important uh, for for what you do, but also maybe some things that we can learn as young leaders ourselves?
1: In the world of you know, board governance, one of the key things is that at this level, it's leadership, but like we often say, you, you stay out of the weeds, You know, nose in and fingers out. So, you're keenly aware of what's going on, but you let management run the company, do their job. And so sometimes conflicts or issues arise in the boardroom. If board and management don't always agree on a particular strategy and course of action, that's one. Um, The other way is that sometimes, and I'll say this happens as an example in the finance world. So I come from the portfolio management world, and you're used to hands-on, you know, doing, making trades, doing things like that, right? But once you're in the boardroom, you step back, you let the portfolio managers present to you, you oversee. It's not about, you know, it's not hands-on. So I think that's an adjustment sometimes that board members have to make. And the the other thing is that a lot of the people in the room are very accomplished. So being part and working collaboratively when you're used to being the leader, it's an adjustment. But um, good boards have a very collaborative environment.
0: Yeah, one of the things you just mentioned is the hands-off nature of boards. Uh, mm-hmm. You have to be very aware of what's happening in the organization, yeah. but you don't necessarily drive the, the day-to-day operations and things like that. Is, that. is that difficult?
1: Where it becomes difficult or changes up uh, is, are in times of crisis management. Because ultimately, then people will look to the board, you know, what did the board know when, how did they react, how did they handle it? And so now it becomes, you know, when things are running very smoothly, you just don't hear about the board much. But in times of crisis, and that can be a variety of sources, then the board has to step up and really participate in the crisis management part of it another balancing act always comes with management and the board trying to just make sure each one is fulfilling their role and um, on a day-to-day normal basis the ceo is running the company and the board is just overseeing because they put the policies and practices in place and so all should be right with the world right
0: Another thing that you mentioned just now is that there are a lot of accomplished people that you're working mm-hmm. with on these boards. And I know anytime there are a lot of personalities in the room, conflicts can arise. I'm wondering if there are some tips that you can give us from personal experience about dealing with personality difference well.
1: So I, I, always, I think that what we do, especially when we bring on new board members, is what you're doing is you set the mutual expectations of behavior, participation, and commitment, right? So one, we have a, so you've laid the groundwork. Then a key, I think, that many boards are finding is that you have to deliberately create time for socialization because you need the board who's only coming together, you know, a few times a year, maybe more or less, but it's really, you know, somewhere between six or so times a year. So they're coming together to do some really strategically important work. So the board will work together when there's best, I think, when there's an establishment of trust. And the way you get to that trust is by having people get to know each other. And so many, you know, many times for many boards, I believe, you know, there'll be a dinner ahead of you during the board meeting time so that you can just get to know that other person and just have that time. Uh, Because, again, you know, like I said before. A lot of these people are used to being in leadership roles, and so there's a balance, and that balance is going to come when you know each other well enough to work collaboratively.
0: So no matter how much you get to know people and have a good sense of collegiality with them, there are going to be times where you disagree and sometimes Mm -hmm. probably pretty strongly. Have there ever been times where you've had to stand your ground on issues that you felt really strongly about? And if so, what are some things that have kept you grounded in your board position Mm -hmm. and in your beliefs and maybe even some things that have kept you grounded in your life?
1: You know, I I would say that my personality is uh, one who I I am able to see multiple sides of an issue. And so I think you need that flexibility and the willingness to be open when you are in a, you know, a situation where there is disagreement. I don't think conflict is bad because a lot of times, you know, well handled conflict gets you to, you know, it's just a tension, right? And you get to a resolution. And usually you've gotten to some really good place or good idea, good solution. And so, you know, being able to see multiple sides of an issue is key. I think, you know, going in as a board member, what's important to you, but you're just, you know, coming in with a view and what your level of expertise is and other people in the room respect your voice There are many social issues that actually come into the boardroom now. For example, I happen to be a mother of three women. I'm a woman. And so my perspective on gender equity issues will be influenced by that.
0: When that comes into play, what are some recommendations that you have on finding common ground and being able Mm -hmm. to to give and take when you really do have those really strong Mm -hmm. opinions?
1: So I think, you know, again, this is about relationships and communication. So you've established that you are likable accessible person, so when I need to be firm on something, I'm comfortable being that. You have to, I think ultimately, people maybe don't talk about it as much, but board members and boards need to have courage, right? You need to be able to say, this person is not performing up to what we need to do, or we're not getting the answers that we want to get. And you have to be firm. You accept the role because ultimately, you are protecting the shareholder and, and, and your own reputation, which is a really important part of all of this. And so I, I think, you know, if I'm asked, how do you protect that? I, I think it's just know what's important to you and have a level voice. I don't, you know, this, you can deliver messages that are strong and tough in a voice that's not a yelling voice, right? Um, Absolutely. and, and, And so I would say to anyone out there who I'm not a real strong extroverted type personality, but I'm committed. And a lot of times, you know, so let's say I'm not the most, the loudest voice, but I'm a thoughtful voice. And so people know that when I say something, it's because it's been informed by the data, the information that we've been provided. And I always personally, I think you just keep an eye on, what you know, what your role is, and who you are responsible to.
0: And I think that voice is sometimes the one that, especially in times of difficulty, can be mm-hmm. the one that people turn to the most.
1: I think that's right. I think that is um, probably very, very true because you need calm in a storm, right? <laughs> and so.
0: Now, in a previous conversation that we had, you you mentioned this this phrase. You said, where you stand depends on where you sit. What mm-hmm. do you mean by that?
1: Yeah, so basically, and you know, I didn't make it up, but it means that your position on a topic or a policy is framed by your own situation or your view. And so an example would be that there was a recent study by PwC, and it just said that women felt gender diversity in the boardroom was a bigger issue than many men did by some significant percentage and you know that to me is just reflecting that women don't feel that they're proportionately or equal in the in their presence in the boardroom and so for them it's a bigger subject so it's just you know the things that are most important to us are the things that impact us most directly and my only, pause on that is, you know, where you stand should be based on data, information, you know. Um, sure. And, yeah. so
0: And I guess a follow up question to that is at some point in everyone's life, maybe more often for some than others, you are going to be the minority opinion in the room. Yep. What is it that you can do to help people see things from your perspective? I mean, data is great. And hopefully people are open to data. But beyond that, any recommendations, either from your experience or just thoughts and and wisdom that you have from your many years serving Mm -hmm. on boards?
1: I would say that one, whoever the board chair is, that that leader among the leaders, it is key for that person to make sure that every voice is heard, all opinions. And even if that, you know, as simple as One, you you go around the room and say, you know, John, what do you think of this? Sally, what do you think? And, you know, and just make sure everyone has a chance to to voice it out because some people, as we said before, they'll talk louder, but, you know, and they're not necessarily the right answer. And, you know, being the other in any situation is it can be intimidating. But, you know, I, I think what will happen is if you're in an inclusive environment, then, that voice will get heard. And so to me, that's just one of the really key roles of the of the ultimate leader is creating that environment that allows everyone and every opinion to be heard. And sometimes, you know, if it's, if you're in a position and you really have an opinion, but you don't want to share it, then you, you know, write it on a piece of paper to the person next to you who has a loud voice, and I'm not making this up, but it's, it's finding your way. And so sometimes emails after a meeting can still help, but you really need, you know, that's kind of after the fact. So, you know, and I, so funny, I always, I tell new board members sometimes, and I do this myself, is when I'm in a new environment, I always make sure I ask a question. I always make sure that if a vote is being called, I try to be the one that seconds it at least, right? So, it just is like hopping into the water of leadership <laughs> Like saying, yes, I'm here.
0: Yeah. So you deal in the world of investing. I'm wondering if you have any helpful insight from that world for young leaders.
1: Well, I, you know, and a lot of times if you're already in the leadership role, some of this may not matter. But clearly, you know, like they say in real estate is location, location, location. Well, I believe that for leadership and, you know, relationships relationships you know are the thing and so networking and building those relationships they come in handy for job hunting for board work for you know when you're with clients or developing a client base but also ultimately as a leader if you're you're trying to rise up an organization you need to have a team of people who view you positively have worked with you And are willing to support you along along the way. One of the things I found personally for me was that early on in my career, you know, taking on a tough, tedious assignment really worked to my benefit. And that, you know, you did something, you rolled up your sleeves, you did something that wasn't glamorous, but it was really important. And so that, you know, the person who was then my mentor saw that, benefited from it, and so on. And then I, you know, again, in the world of investing, and I think anywhere, is that first 10 years or so, you know, you're building a niche for yourself, right? And you're establishing what your technical base and skills are, because then ultimately you need to take and use that technical base to launch yourself further. But what gets you further are your, your people skills, You know, the interpersonal skills that you layer on top, because, you know, to be a leader, you need to really be able to rally people. You need to make decisions and that sort of thing.
0: So I I don't want to end this interview before getting some thoughts on risk management as well. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you have some thoughts you could share with us about how to deal with risk that relate more directly to our personal lives. I know you deal with it at an institutional level, but are there any Mm -hmm. principles that you can take from risk management at that institutional level? and give to us in a way that it applies to our decision making Mm -hmm. at a personal level?
1: There are many similarities. So as a portfolio manager, what you're doing, you're making, you're finding securities or investments to make and to put your money into. And then collectively, all those little individual investments become your portfolio. And when you're making any investment, you are taking, you have to take risk and you have to understand how much risk you are willing to take and what the possible rewards are. And so that's to me where this kind of reflects life. If you you have you cannot, um, without putting yourself out there, without taking risks, without being smart about your risk, you cannot reap the, <laughs> the rewards. You have to do that. And at the same time, in finance, Particularly industries where trust is a big element of how you succeed, you have to protect your reputation, and so making you know decisions that are smart and thoughtful, and at the same time, you have to you have to take some risk.
0: Is there anything else that you would like to share with the listeners?
1: You know, I I, I as I think about that, the only thing I can think of would be that if you have had any adversity in your life, you own it, right? And it will make you a better person and it will make you stronger. And it provides a way to connect with other people. You know, people are not perfect and they want to see themselves, uh, usually their better selves in their leaders. And so I think, you know, whatever you are and who you are, you own it. And make the best of it.
0: Now, before you go, I have a few final questions that are meant to inspire us toward better leadership. So are you ready for this? Yes. All right. What is some lesson saying or experience that continues to influence your leadership to this day?
1: Okay. There's a phrase I heard and I live by it. It's called, it's join, learn, lead. So you join an organization, you learn about it, and then you try to lead it.
0: Use three descriptors to finish this sentence. A leader is?
1: A leader is inclusive. I think they're approachable and they're decisive.
0: What is a question that leaders should be asking either themselves or others?
1: To me, this is kind of easy. It's just, what do I want my legacy to be?
0: That's a good one. What book would you recommend to leaders?
1: You know, it's an old book, but Colin Powell's um, My American Journey was one that I really liked and identified with. And I like the fact that, you know, there's a military face to it. There's really just politics. And leadership and just, you know, studying and reading about his life was inspirational to me.
0: If you could get every listener to start doing something this week to help them be a better leader, what would that thing be?
1: Just do something outside of your comfort zone, preferably not in isolation. You know, I I believe that adversity makes you stronger and, and more compassionate, and therefore you will ultimately be a better leader.
0: And finally, an arbitrary but insightful question. As a general life principle, is it better to ask why or why not?
1: Well, I'm a very curious person, but I've lived my life in the why not lane, and so I'll, I'll go with the, with why not.
0: All righty. Cynthia, thank you so much for joining the show today and for sharing with us your expertise. Really appreciate it.
1: Okay, it was my pleasure. Thank you very much.
0: I hope you found today's interview valuable. We'll be back on Friday to discuss the interview and share some of our key takeaways with you. If you want to share some of your own thoughts on what you heard today, or if you want to leave other feedback for the show, email us at community@lifeasleadership.com. At and if you think today's interview could be helpful to someone else who cares about becoming a better leader, go ahead and share it with them. Until next time, keep living and leading well.